Hi, it's Ben Modell. I've been doing this silent film music podcast on and off since 2012, and well, a few years ago, the first eight episodes of the podcast vanished. Well, I still have the audio files, it's just that episodes one through eight were suddenly unavailable and no longer appeared in the show feed or online. I have, I have absolutely no idea how this happened. Some listeners to the Silent Film Music podcast, maybe you have expressed interest in hearing these other episodes to hear what I talked about, which is great. So instead of going cuckoo bananas trying to figure out what happened, troubleshooting it, and reinstating these, I'm just going to repost each of these first eight episodes one at a time. Keep in mind as you listen to these, they were recorded several years ago, and now here is episode three of the Silent Film Music Podcast, originally posted in July of 2012. You'll hear me talk about playing for D.W. Griffith's The Avenging Conscience and Raymond Griffith's Paths to Paradise. There'll be a performance sample of my score for Paths to Paradise. I talk about scoring The Sap Head with Buster Keaton and The Devil's Needle uh, for Kino. Uh, talk a little bit about a temporary reboot or relisting of my altscore.com service, and you'll hear me accompany uh, the cat and the canary on a steer orchestral organ in Brooklyn. Here is from July of 2012, episode three of the Silent Film Music Podcast. Welcome to episode three of my silent film music podcast. I'm Ben Modell. I'm a silent film accompanist and film historian. And I thank you so much for downloading or streaming what you're hearing right now, wherever it is you are listening to it. We've been doing this for, well, it's a a month. And I intend to keep this going through the end of this year, 2012, at which point I'll figure out if it's worth continuing or if I should just throw in the digital towel on this. I hope you're enjoying what you're hearing, what you've heard, and that it is entertaining, relevant, and gives you some sort of insight as to what goes on inside my head before, during, and after I accompany a silent film. Now, like a lot of podcasts that launch, uh, it would be great to get reviews, and I'm not putting that on you, as I understand uh, that there seems to be an issue with iTunes. Uh, I know one person who has submitted a review, and it was a nice one, uh, a number of times, and it still hasn't shown up on iTunes. Uh, Even more bizarre, I have reviewed the podcast myself, and the review turned up a few hours later. This seems to be an issue with iTunes. I have not found a solution to it online. If you know the answer, uh, send it on in. And if you haven't written up a nice review, or even if it's a crappy one, um, although the nicer ones really help, 
go ahead and go to your uh, iTunes account. Make sure you're signed in and leave a review there about the podcast and rate it if you if you if you care to as well. Perhaps it's just a matter of an accumulation of a number of them, and then it'll all show up. But anything you can do to help get the word out there, I'd appreciate it. A couple of shows done recently I want to talk about. Uh, not so many shows this month. Um, every year, July is a little different. Some years I have, you know, 15, 20 shows including Slapstickon when it was still running in July. And uh, there are some months when it's just quiet. And then you have a month like this year's version of July where I have a few shows and quite a bit of recording uh, to deal with. And uh, so it's never predictable. There's some months like March and April and September and October when I can count on being rather busy. Um, But the rest of the year, you, you just never know. And you just look at the calendar, and it it just it'll it'll fill up, ideally. So in July so far, I've accompanied the Avenging Conscience uh, by D. W. Griffith, and a, another film by a uh, Griffith, the funny Griffith, Raymond Griffith, uh, Paths to Paradise. Two very different uh, shows, different performances, different venues. The Avenging Conscience was done at the Paramount Theater in Middletown, New York, on the theater's wonderful three-manual, 12-rank Wurlitzer Theater organ. And it's just such a treat, uh, not only just to play a, a real theater organ, but, you know, you're in a real, actual uh, vintage space. So there's, it's so much, there's so much more experientially going on for myself as well as the audience. Um, we didn't get a huge crowd, but, you know, we're in Middletown, New York on a weeknight, in the summer, and I don't know that we wouldn't have gotten a huge crowd for that picture at MoMA. So uh, the people who came had a great time. Uh, it's a film, you know, it's one of those just before Birth of a Nation uh, Griffith features, and there are parts of it that are made and they, they look like a, a late biograph. Um, and then there are parts of it, you know, there are scenes toward the end of the picture where Henry B. Walthall is hallucinating and it's it's stuff like almost out of Faust in, in, in German expressionism these bizarre things that are going through his mind that we see happening on screen which are great opportunities uh, you know there's only so it's one of those things when when you're accompanying a film on a piano that you can only go so far without pushing the thing through the floor whereas with a theater organ you can put a bunch of the reed stops on and and uh, extra extra ranks in the pedal and just sort of floor it and hold things, and it has a much more powerful effect. At the same time, uh, there's so much uh, in the film which is dramatic introspection on, on the part of the characters, uh, it's important to hold back and turn as many things off as you can on the organ, uh, have one or two solo ranks playing, so uh, you're, you're, draw- you're still drawing people in, to Walthall's face and, and the performances in the film. Now, Paths to Paradise, on the other hand, was uh, insane. Uh, the Silent Clowns film series we've been doing, uh, Raymond Griffith films all summer, and we uh, had a full house the previous show for the nightclub, and we uh, packed the auditorium, and as a matter of fact, 10 minutes before showtime, we were sold out. 
and had we allowed about 10 standing room only people in uh, 10 minutes before showtime. And it's been really exciting for us to get such a huge turnout for the Griffith Films. And, and they, of course, play like gangbusters with a, a packed house of 215, 220 people. Um, it's, it's a great film. It's one of the great comedies of the 1920s. And gosh, I hope more Griffith films turn up somewhere. And in particular, I hope the last reel of Paths to Paradise turns up. Things I had to deal with were um, because the the chase at the end is is uh, very high pitched, and there aren't a lot of gags in it per se. Um, it's just there are hunks of it where it's just chase, 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 chase without any gags, and I have to you have to pace yourself so you don't blow your hands out, or or just there's only so far you can go in terms of volume and intensity, and if you've hit hit that peak, you know, a minute or two into the reel, and there's still five minutes of chase. It's tricky to to deal with that. You have to come find some spot where there's a pause in the action of some sort and come way down and then build it back up. Also, uh, uh, think something to be careful with is there's a scene at the beginning when there are a bunch of con artists who... Um, suddenly decide they that there are some tourists and they decide they want to see a Chinatown show. So these people suddenly become Chinese people and set up hookahs and all that kind of stuff. And normally when I play for a film that has Chinese or Japanese people in it, uh, or if it's a Japanese film, you know, I, I stay away from all the stereotypical stuff, especially with Chinese scenes with the parallel fourths and stuff that's so cartoony. And I thought that even in a scene like this where we're in on the joke that these people aren't Chinese and it's supposed to be sort of cartoony, but I still do what I usually do is is find the, the scales and the modalities of, of Asian music and stay in that form. And and then um, and then when Griffith enters, switch into a, a sort of an intermezzo feel uh, to get us, the audience, on his side. Um, I mean, so... That's kind of you know what I what I did. I think it worked. Um, I never know until afterwards, and and I'll just try it again the next time I get to play for the film. Well, why not hear some of that? We got a nice recording um, with uh, using the mics that are in the theater, and so you'll hear audience laughs and everything like that. Here's a couple of minutes from my my score performed live at the Silent Clowns film series on July 7th. Here's Paths to Paradise.
that's a couple of minutes from a live performance recording recorded July 7th, 2012 at the Silent Clowns Film Series as my piano accompaniment to Raymond Griffith's Paths to Paradise. And that was recorded using the sound system in the booth at the, at the auditorium. That's the Bruno Walter Auditorium, where they have a number of uh, microphones hanging over the audience. And so, as well as the stage, so you really got to hear the audience laughs and that. I am playing a Baldwin Concert Grand Piano. Something else I did recently is I relaunched or just blew the dust and cobwebs off my website to download alternate musical scores that sync with uh, silent film DVDs that you may already own. This is a project I launched a few years ago and uh, business... Well, it was not that great to begin with, but it just completely died out. And so I just took it offline um, just to avoid uh, having hosting fees and that sort of thing. And uh, somebody wrote to me a few weeks ago asking about my score for Beyond the Rocks. And I wrote back and said I, I took the service offline. It wasn't doing that much business, I said I could send you an MP3 or a CD, and he said, I'm in Spain, so an MP3 would be better. I poked around my hosting account and found a way that wouldn't cost me anything to relaunch the site, uh, and this time what I've done is rather than have it on its own domain, which was altscore.com, it's now just nested in with my regular website at silentfilmmusic.com. So if you want to check those out, go to silentfilmmusic.com, then type slash and the word alt score, and you'll see what I have. And this fellow in Spain, uh, as soon as I let him know the thing was back online, bought that and downloaded it, and also uh, bought my score for The Unknown, which is done on theater organ. And uh, I don't want to pat myself on the back too much, but he did write a very nice thank you note, but I won't read it here. There are two DVDs that came out this month from Kino, or Kino Lorber, actually, uh, things I had scored earlier in the year. One is a release of, or the ultimate edition of The Saphead with Buster Keaton. And I was asked to score an alternate version of it uh, that survives with slightly different takes. And uh, so there are two versions of The Saphead on the DVD. Now, I've actually never seen, well, I'd never seen The Sap Head until I got the screener. I've gotten this far without ever watching The Sap Head. And it's it's a good film. If you, if you don't think of it in context of The Navigator and Seven Chances and The Cameraman, um, and think of it as a, a 1920 you know, five or six real light comedy that happens to have Buster Keaton in it where Buster is basically being an actor. And you, you get to see what kind of acting chops he had considering how much training he had in, in the dramatic arts, whatever that may mean to you. Um, but he's quite good in it, and maybe he was just trying to impress uh, the Talmadge family that he could actually do a, a straight role. One of the things I had to consider in the film is something 
that happens with a lot of film accompaniment and a lot of film accompanists is that anytime there's a scene with a wedding, uh, the accompanist invariably plays Here Comes the Bride. And I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, that's what it's wrong or right. But just my own personal taste is, is in lots of things is to avoid the obvious choice. And so you you see uh, it's a small, intimate uh, wedding in, in someone's parlor. And there, a woman is playing the piano, uh, and it is a piano. And I don't know, just some of uh, the, you know, the, the, the wedding march that is always played or Here Comes the Bride just didn't. It, it it's I was thinking that I needed something a little less obvious and some more intimate and uh, I wound up playing Oh Promise Me and it seemed to fit quite nicely. Um, so if you watch that version of the Saphead on the Ultimate Edition disc, um, you'll uh, see and uh, hopefully hopefully you'll like it and I'd love to get your feedback on that. Another DVD that's come out recently is a oh I'm blanking on the on the on the name it has the word needle in it. it doesn't really matter uh it's a it's a DVD of films uh, sourced from the Library of Congress uh, and I scored one called in the inside of the white slave trade and the other two films were scored by Rodney Sauer Um now the film I scored was an is an interesting film in, in that it clearly had been hacked to bits, uh, having gone through the hands of many projectionists and censors, and the beginnings and endings of shots are missing. Things jump around in terms of the plot, and there's something almost fragmentary about what what's left uh, of the film, and so. Uh, the question for me is, uh, since there's no Gazinta and Gazada for each scene uh, or each shot, and so many things just happen abruptly, uh, how to handle that? And what I tried to do was to craft music that just set a mood and would carry through an entire scene, in some case through a few scenes, just to hold it all together. Uh, there's more emphasis on playing a complete melody than... Uh, my mode of crafting melodies that that uh, start and stop and shift gears every four or five or eight bars uh, because the dramatic action is changing because uh, I didn't want to inadvertently underscore or underscore the, the choppiness of, of the existing film. You want to smooth that sort of thing out to help the film play better. Well, here's another recording from a performance at the... Brooklyn Baptist Temple. Um, again, the the instrument was severely damaged in a fire uh, in the fall of 2010, and because it does not exist anymore, um, I thought, well, let's hear some more of that. Here is a section from The Cat and the Canary. Uh, I believe this was recorded maybe February of 2010. And I'll tell you what the scene is in this case. This is, a, it starts about a minute before the the clock chimes midnight. And you'll get to hear uh, the chimes on the organ 
and uh, it's a little more subtle sounds than you heard in the Ten Commandments clip I had in the last episode. Here is a couple of minutes from my score performed live at the Brooklyn Baptist Temple on the Steer and Sons Orchestral Organ for my score of The Cat and the Canary. of my score for The Cat and the Canary, recorded live in performance in early 2010 at the Brooklyn Baptist Temple on their Steer and Sons orchestral organ, an instrument that is no more, sadly. Hopefully it will be rebuilt at some point. I have a number of shows coming up, two more Raymond Griffith films in our series at the Silent Clowns, Hands Up on Saturday the 21st, of July, and then first Saturday in August, we will be running You'd Be Surprised. I have a couple of shows of Hoodoo Anne, which I'll do on piano at MoMA. That's part of a series there called Unattended Minors. And then Connie Talmadge in Her Sister from Paris. It's part of the monthly silent film series that I do on Long Island at the Cinema Arts Center. Also, a program of comedy shorts at a synagogue here in New York City, which will either be up on the roof or down in the basement, depending on how freaking hot it is that week. One thing I'm actually uh, working on preparation for now is uh, actually not a silent film program, something I'll be doing in Oslo. Actually, the day after I'm playing for a film in Oslo, that's Norway, kids. 
Uh, I'm doing a workshop for local church organists who have to play at a lot of funerals. And in Norway, the family of the deceased chooses the music. And so funeral organists are invariably called upon to play at a funeral songs like My Way, My Heart Goes On, Candle in the Wind, Bridge Over Troubled Water, these big ballad anthems. And so I'll be working with them, trying to help them and their Bach and Handel chops uh, make their way around these these uh, American pop uh, ballads, uh, you know, uh, to get their mood right for, for, for a funeral. I'm looking for that sheet music, working on it, and trying to get my head wrapped around it. Well, I see by the old... Well, I, there are no hands uh, on on a lot of the clocks here, but on, on my on my uh, on my Elgin pocket watch, that we're out of time. I thank you for listening, and for finding this interesting or intriguing. A gentle reminder that everything you've heard, both the music and the talking, is copyright 2012 by Ben Modell, all rights reserved. Do visit my website, silentfilmmusic.com. Join, join me uh, on Twitter. It's at sign Silent Film Music, and you can find me on Facebook. Again, do leave a review for the podcast on iTunes. Every little bit helps. I look forward to seeing you here again for the next episode or hopefully at a show that I'm doing. See you at The Silence. It's Ben Modell and the Silent Film Music Podcast. You've been listening to a reposting of Episode 3 of the Silent Film Music Podcast with Ben Modell, which was originally posted in July of 2012. Thanks.